All right. Somebody give it up for Jesus. Amen. All right. It is always a privilege to be here. I'm always honored to be used by God in any way, shape, or form. Um, before I get started, uh, I wanted to just kind of throw, I want to say a challenge, but I just want to ask you guys a favor. Pastor Mary was just talking about Joshua kids, and we have that coming next week. And I'm so excited to be able to go out there and just show these kids uh, the love of Jesus. And so I asked our Wycliffe campus uh, last Sunday um, you know, we go out there for an entire week with these kids, and there's a lot of kids that, that just don't have anything, you know, when they go out there. Um, last year, I had a kid that was sleeping on top bunk, and, um, you know, I noticed after the first night, uh, they sleep on this, these twin mattresses, and they're plastic mattresses, and I realized that he didn't have sheets, he didn't have a sleeping bag, he didn't have a pillow. You know, he kind of covered himself with his, with his, his uh, sweater. Um, and so the second night, I actually had brought uh, another sleeping bag in my, in my trunk. And I took it, I brought it in, and, and, you know, I came over to him, and I said, hey, Jaquan, look, here, here's a sleeping bag, man. And, and he said, oh, can I have that? And I said, it's yours. You can have it. And he just, he lit up, you know, and he was like, a sleeping bag? Like, I... I, it's my own sleeping bag. I've never had a sleeping bag, man. And I'm telling you, it just touched my heart. That's I said I wouldn't do this. <laughs> so, so I'm asking you just um, this Sunday, wherever you are out this week, just essentials. Some of these kids come and they don't have a toothbrush. They don't have toothpaste. They don't have, you know, like I said, the sheets on, on the beds. Uh, 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 socks, you know, the, just towels, towels for, for, for showers and for, and for the, the swimming pool, you know. Like, if you don't know what to get, go get a Walmart car because Pastor Becca ends up at Walmart every year. She has to go down to Walmart to purchase something for these kids. Bring a Walmart car this Sunday. And, and Sharon, can they get that to you? Yeah, so just give that to Sharon. Those are just essentials for these kids, you know. It's just a privilege to be able to go out here and be used by God. And, and we just want to shower them with love and, and, and let them go out here and just be kids. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, uh, let's pray. Let's, let's open up in prayer. Father, we just thank you right now, Lord. We don't have to invite you in here because you're already here, God. You are omnipresent, Father. And so we, th we thank you, Lord, for, for inviting us to be with you today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our ears, Father, to hear your word, Lord, and open up our minds to receive it, Father, and transform us. We don't, we don't want to walk out of here the same way that we walked in here. We just want a new experience with you, Jesus. We want to be closer to you. So we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to be here and just call on the name of Jesus. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen, amen. Well, joy is your compass and Jesus is your destination. All right, so we're going to go, um, let's go to Philippians 3, 12 through 14. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward 
in Christ Jesus. And so today, guys, I just want to talk to you about getting a press in your spirit. Amen? Getting a press in your spirit, a, a move in your spirit. I think it was last summer. I can't remember if it was last summer or it might have been two summers ago. Um, uh, Pastor Mary invited some of the pastors and the staff over to her house uh, for a gathering. And um, they live right on the lake, and beautiful property right on the lake. And so she invited all of us over for a get-together. And they sent us a text and said, hey, guys, bring your swimsuits because Adrian will be taking some people out on the lake, you know, for tubing. And they live right there, so you can kind of go down and, and swim in the lake if you want. But So we brought our swimsuits, and we got over there, and, um, you know, we, we walked around. We chopped, chopped it up with everybody. We ate a little bit. And we sat in, in the backyard and watched Adrian pull some of the DSM students across the lake in the tube. And, and I thought, okay, that's, that's not that bad, you know. I, I can do that, you know. <laughs> so uh, he ended up docking the boat, and he came down the street, and he came down, and, and he asked, okay, who's next? Who's the next group? And so I looked at my son Braxton, and I was like, you want to go, you know. And, and he looked at me, and I know he, he just he didn't want to punk out. And so he was like, Sure. And so I didn't, uh, he didn't know that I'm just being dad. I didn't want to punk out, which is the only reason I asked him. And so we ended up going down with Adrian, and we got in the truck, and we went to the boat. And he took us out on the lake. And I'm thinking, Adrian is my guy, you know what I mean? Like, he, he knows I'm a pastor. I'm a little bit older, man. Like, take it easy on me, you know. And so he goes, we get out on the lake, and he's like, all right, who's going to go first? And you guys know Adrian, you know. He's like, come on, Marlon. Come on, you can go first. Come on, let's go, man. You know, and I was trying to explain Adrian to Wycliffe. They don't really know Adrian. But so I was like, all right, man, all right, I'll go. And so he, me and Braxton and another kid jumped out into the lake, and we got on this tube. And um, Adrian said, okay, here we go. And so we took off, and we were just cruising for about 10 seconds, and I'm like, this isn't that bad, all right? And he goes, all right, you guys ready? And I'm like, ready for what? We already going. And he slapped this thing full throttle, and we take off across the lake. And I'm telling you, every wave you hit, you're, you're like popping up a couple feet into the lake. And um, he did this thing. He makes this, he does this maneuver where, where, he, where he spins the boat around. And I just found out when I preached this message in Wycliffe, it's called cracking the whip. It's cracking the whip. And so I was the recipient of cracking the whip. And he whips this thing around. You're already cruising at about 40 miles an hour. But when you do this, you pick up probably another five miles per hour. And so we are holding on for dear life, me and Braxton. And I don't care how much you want to hop off of this thing. Naturally, your body just won't instinct, you know, instinctually just let go and, and, and fly off. And so we cracked the whip and we came around. And then he went down into the lake again and he cracked the whip again. And when he came around the second time, we couldn't hold on anymore. And we just flipped off of this thing. And I'm telling you, I landed over here and my body skidded across the lake about three times before it actually sank. And I came up out of the water and I thought, oh my goodness, something is broke. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. Right? I'm like, I'm getting too old for this. And dude, you need to start playing it safe. Like, what are you doing? You know, you, you're, you're on the lake going 45 miles an hour, getting tossed into the lake. You got to start playing it safe. Like, you got a kids, you got a wife. Like, what are you doing, man? You can't even swim. What are you doing out here? You got to start playing it safe. 
And I remember the Holy Spirit at that time saying to me, dude, you can play it safe with your body, but you better not play it safe with your faith. Amen? You better not play it safe with your faith. And that's what I think a lot of Christians are doing today. I feel like that we, we've taken this leap of faith at some time in our lives and, 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 and things just didn't turn out the way that we thought they would turn out or, or wanted them to turn out. And we've allowed playing it safe to creep into our faith. And we've all been there, right? We've been through starts and we've been through stops in life and, and making plans just to have plans canceled on us. And finally, you know, th getting things started and things falling apart. And, and with so many starts and stops in life and disappointments, eventually you get to a place where you think, why even keep trying? Why keep trying? There was a, a psychologist by the name of Adam Grant. He wrote an article. And in the article, it said that there is a third stepchild of mental health called languishing. Languishing. And, and to languish just means to lose vigor or to become dispirited, right? And he said that that's where a majority of Americans are living today, in languishing, you know? Like, like our, our lives, they're, they're not thriving, but we're not in depression. You know, we're just kind of, eh. Our marriages aren't full of love and full of joy, but we're not getting divorced, right? You know, we're just kind of, eh. You know, your finances, they're not where you want them to be, but you ain't filing bankruptcy. You just kind of, eh. But let me tell you something, Christian. If we're not careful, our walk with God won't be passionate and our hearts won't be on fire for him, but we won't be walking away from him, you know what I mean? We'll just kind of be, eh. So I just want to encourage you today, like Paul, it's, it's time to, to let go of the things that are attempting to hold you back, the things that are, that are holding you or are behind you. It's time to step into the great things that God has for you today, Amen. See, things might not be where you want them to be right now. Uh, maybe you made some bad decisions in life and, and you're feeling a little uncomfortable with where you are right now. But I just want to tell you that we can't get stuck in languishing or a place of apathy, nor can we live in ah. You know, we need to get determined to, to, to move forward. We got to get determined to press on. There has to be a press in our spirits. David was sent by his father out to battle, out to the battlefield and, uh, uh, to, to take his brother some lunch. And, and when he got out there, he saw a giant taunting the army of Israel. We all know this story, right? And so he's taunting the army of Israel. And David says to him, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the army of the living God? What David was saying to us was, was why are we scared of a giant who isn't under the covenant of God? We, the people who are under his covenant and under his protection. David was, what he was saying, what he was saying to them, if he was saying that to us today, what he would be saying is, church, we have to stop languishing. We have to get out of the middle. Amen? 
It's time for us to move forward. It's time for us to press on. Move forward and conquer your fears. It's time for you to move forward with that business. It's time to move forward with your relationship. It's time to move forward in your ministry. We have to stop being dispirited, right? Stop fearing the giants in our lives. And we all have them. But you know what else we have? We have the spirit of the living God inside of each one of us. Amen? It's time for the church to press on. And so David said, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. And look what Saul says in 1 Samuel 17, 33. He says, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. And I feel like that's how the enemy keeps a lot of Christians today discouraged and stuck. He's saying, do you really think that your child is going to come back to God? Don't be ridiculous. Do you really think that you're going to get out of debt? Come on, don't be ridiculous. Do you really think you're going to restore your marriage? Don't be ridiculous. You really think you're going to break that addiction? Don't be ridiculous. Let me tell you something, church. God wants to do something ridiculous in your life today. He, will, he wants to do something ridiculous, and he's looking for some ridiculous people. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, but he's looking for people who will just believe him for what he says and take his word. He's looking for ridiculous people to press on. And so I ask you, what's, what's holding you back today? What's holding your press back today? How do you press on in the middle of chaos? Or how do you press on in the middle of discouragement? The first thing we need to do, we need to make an honest evaluation of where we are right now. We need to make an honest evaluation of where we are right now. See, I believe that all of us are in search of one thing. We're all in search of that one thing, that obsession of our lives, that overarching purpose of our lives, because we know that God has a purpose for all of us, right? We've all heard it. God has a purpose for all of us. But I believe that a lot of us are just looking in the wrong places for it, right? A lot of us are looking in, in the relationship for that purpose. You're at your job looking for the purpose. You're looking for the purpose of these extracurricular activities. You're looking for your purpose. Some of us are just looking for a big old red circle with a big arrow pointing at it saying, here's your purpose. You're here. But Paul tells us in verse 12, he says, I press on toward the mark. He said, I haven't, I haven't touched it yet. Like I haven't obtained it, but I press on. Right? Like, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm not where I used to be, and I'm not where I will be, but I'm not satisfied with where I am right now. See, there's got to be a press in your heart to get where God wants to take you. We should be content with everything that we have, but we should never be content with where we are spiritually. Amen? There's something out there for you that God has, but, but we can never be content with the experience that we had, but you need to press your way on until you have God's best. I love reading the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote because this, 
I mean, a man of God of his stature, yet he has the humility to say, I haven't obtained it. I haven't obtained it. There's some Christians today that, that think that they've already got there, think they've already made it. And I need to tell you, super Christian, you have never have made it until you've heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. When I read the passage from Paul, it's like a breath of fresh air to me. Because here's this confession of a man who, I mean, we could say is one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. Right? Like Paul, he, he, he won thousands of, of souls to Jesus. He planted hundreds of churches, wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, and still he says, I have not arrived. I haven't arrived. Anybody that gets in front of you and tells you that they've already arrived, they are either dead with a note on them or they are lying in your face. They are deceiving themselves. We are all in the press. I mean, if Paul wasn't there, then neither are we. None of us have obtained it. But we should continue to press toward the goal. Amen? What has Paul not obtained? Where, where has he not arrived? What, what, what goal has he not reached? Well, I'm glad you asked me, church, because I was wondering the same thing. He really tells us the goal back in chapter 3, verse 10, where he, he says that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul's goal was simply to know Jesus. Our goal simply needs to be to know Jesus. I mean, he knew Jesus as his Savior, but, but he wanted to know Jesus as his Lord. He wanted to know him intimately. He wanted to know him progressively and ultimately perfectly in his presence. Paul knew that, that, that when you come to know Jesus as your Lord, when you come to know him intimately, you can experience the power that raised, that raised him from the dead, the resurrection power, when you know him as your Lord. But before we can walk in the newness of life, we have to lay it down. We have, to, we have to lay everything down. We have to get out of the way, right? We have to die to ourselves. In other words, we can't know the victory of the resurrection without personally applying the crucifixion so that we can come to know him. Allow him to work through us so that we can live for him. Amen? It was a struggle for Paul. This was a real struggle for Paul. He says in, in, in Romans 7:15, "For what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do." Maybe y'all don't you can't feel that. You don't understand that, but I can I understand Paul. You know, why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? Why do I keep thinking the things that I don't want to think? Why do I keep acting the way that I don't want to act, right? Like, that wasn't just a, 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 a Paul's cry. This is, this is a struggle for, for us today. Like, I don't know how many people I've annihilated on the highway in my mind. I don't know how many people I've, I've, I've done dirty 
in the grocery store in my mind. Why do I keep thinking these things? But the good news is that we don't have to try to fight in our own strength. You know, my Bible tells me that I can bring every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Nor do we need to keep giving our power away to the enemy. Oh, the enemy, the devil made me do it. Stop giving him so much credit. He's a defeated foe. We need to press on to obtain. We need to press on to arrive. We need to press toward the goal of knowing him who conquered sin in the grave. Because it's only when we know him, when we truly know Jesus, that we can take hold to the power of Jesus that's available to us to conquer sin in our own lives. There's no need to keep trying to do it alone. Right? The one who hung the stars upon nothing is on our side. Amen? His spirit lives in each one of us. So we have to stop languishing, church. We have to move forward. We have to to move forward towards the goal of knowing Jesus, knowing the person of Jesus. So the goal for the Christian should be to know Jesus. And to ultimately be transformed into the image and the likeness of Jesus. Paul gave up everything. Paul gave up his family. Paul gave up his friendships. He gave up freedom. In order just to know Jesus. So so we need to understand that sacrifices will need to be made to enjoy him fully. So I ask you what, are you, what are you willing to give up to know Jesus? Are you willing to give up some of the circles that you run with? Are you willing to give up some, some money? I don't know, some of your time, some screen time maybe? What are you willing to give up? If this is our goal, there's, there's got to be an honest, humble evaluation of where we are today. Amen. A couple months back, Michelle and I um, got memberships to a gym, and both of us, when we got memberships, we, we got a free consultation with a trainer. And we both met separately with the trainer, and she asked us all these questions about, you know, what, what we wanted, what, were, what was our goal, you know? And she asked me, she said, what, what's your goal? What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to lose weight, you know? And she's like, well, where do you want to lose weight? And I was like, my body. Like my body. I need to lose weight in my body. So if you got exercises that I can lose weight in my earlobes, I need to just lose weight in my body. And so she goes, okay, that's fine. So where do you want to gain muscle? And I was like, my body. (laughs) Wherever you can help me lose weight and gain muscle, I'll take it. And so after she had the consultation with me and she had the consultation with Pastor Michelle, uh, we ended up getting workouts that were very similar. And so we were able to start going to the gym and working out together. And we, we went about four days a week, and the two of us were just, we were stoked, you know. And I could, it wasn't long after we went that I could see the difference and feel the difference, you know. I felt the muscle gain, and I, and I, and, and I even saw in her the weight loss. I didn't I see in her, I saw the weight loss. <laughs> um, uh, but I remember looking at her, and I was like, this is the summer, babe. Like, this is it. This is the summer. We're going to rock our summer bodies this year. This is happening. 
Then I talked to Pastor Lou, and do you know that it takes four to six, I think he said months, is it? Yeah, four to six months, maybe eight months, to really make that a habit and go regularly, you know, for it to be a habit. Well, after two months, you know, we, other things came up, and our four visits became three, and our three visits became two. Our two visits became one. And now we just give them $33 a month. <laughs> so needless to say, after further evaluation, I'll just be wearing my winter body this summer. And we'll revisit it in 2024. But really, where are you and what are you doing to stay on track with your relationship with Jesus? What are you giving up to stay in deep connection, stay rooted with Jesus? What are you doing to continue to move forward and, and grow in the Lord? What one thing are you doing? The Apostle Paul says in verse 13, but this one thing I do. He says this one thing I do. And he could have said anything. He could have said this one thing I do, I pray. He could have said this, this one thing I do, I, I, I worship. Right? He could have said this one thing I do, I don't know, I cook chicken every Thursday night. He could have said anything. Right? But he said this one thing I do. He said, I forget. I forget. I forget those things that are behind. And come on, church, some of us are about due to forget those things that are behind us. Amen? There's a couple of things that we need to forget. We, we, first, we need to forget our past mistakes. We need to forget our mistakes. Some of us are so stuck in the things that we've done or the things that have happened to us instead of stepping into the purpose that, that God has called us for. You know, the enemy, he's got a lot of Christians living in the past mistakes. That's where a lot of us are stuck. He's constantly reminding you of, of what you used to do and, and how you used to act and, and what you used to drink and what you used to smoke. The enemy wants to cripple you. He wants to paralyze you. He, he, do you really think God can use you? Didn't you get a divorce? Do you really think God can use you? Weren't you an alcoholic? Come on, do you really think God can use you? You've been in jail before, right? Listen, y'all, I'm just talking about somebody that I know, okay? The devil wants you to believe that you still are who you used to be. But the Bible says that if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new, amen? You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You are more than the worst thing that you've ever done, amen? The devil wants to keep reminding you of your past. I'm sure he tried reminding Paul, you know, didn't you once hold the cloaks of the guys who, who, who stoned Stephen? But Paul said, no, 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 I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. He said, no, 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 didn't you, didn't you once drag innocent Christians off to prison? Paul said, no, 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 I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. 
He said, not only did you drag Christians, didn't you kill Christians yourself? He said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me, right? The one thing that you ought to do is not allow the enemy to remind you of your past, keep you stuck in the present so you can't step into your destiny. Anytime the devil reminds you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. Amen? We need to press on, church, and forget what lies behind us. I would also suggest this, that we forget our successes. Forget your successes. When we remember our successes, what we do is we, we, can, we can get stuck in nostalgia. I just got together last month with some of my fraternity brothers. It was our 30-year anniversary. I never thought I'd see a 30-year anniversary or anything, but we got together. It was our 30-year anniversary. We met out in Akron, and we had breakfast, and, uh, and then we went out to Akron University, and we walked the campus, and the whole time we were just reminiscing about the good old days, you know? We was listening to 1994 music, and, and we're just reminiscing about the good old days, and the more we reminisced about the good old days, the more I thought, man, these days wasn't so good. I'm kind of happy with where I am right now and what I'm becoming. Like, have you, ever, have you ever heard somebody say, man, back in the day, I used to kill it. I, was a, 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 I ran track and played football in high school, and, and occasionally I used to make my kids, I would sit them down and I would, I would put on my football games on the VHS tape, and, and I'd break out my photo albums and, and my newspaper clippings, and I would show them that whole thing right there was a very, very old sentence. And, and, and I would make my kids sit down and look at them. And we would watch my games, you know. <laughs> I married Pastor Michelle, and I was having one of my Al Bundy days, and we sat down, and we started watching my football game, and she came walking through the living room. And she was like, what are you watching? And I was like, my football games. I was like, come have a seat. And so she came over, the loving wife that she is, she came over, she sat down. And I was like, that's me right there. I'm number 22. Right there, running back. And after 10 minutes, I realized that she was not impressed at all. At all. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get her here. I broke out one of my newspaper clippings, you know, and it had me coming across the finish line. I was stretched out, you know what I mean? Muscles bulging in my arms and my legs had the face of a lion. And I said, girl, I used to kill it back in the day. And she looked at the picture and she looked at me. And she looked at the picture. And she looked at me and she patted me on the belly and she said, why did you stop killing it then? You should just kind of kill it every once in a while. <laughs> I was stuck in nostalgia. And see, in life, if we don't forget our successes, we'll believe that it's us that got us where we are today and that it's us that's going to get us where we need to go. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be? Right? He's the one. 
He's the fourth man in the fire. He's the one that constantly pulls us out of the pit again and again. He's the one that separated the waters. The Bible doesn't tell us to remember what we did. Never tells us to remember what we did. It tells us over and over again in the Old Testament, remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. See, because in the Old Testament, it was a cycle for Israel. They get redeemed, they get delivered, they get blessed, and then you know what they did? They forgot about God. And so the Bible says, remember the Lord your God. It's no different for us today. We've all been through something. We've all been pulled up out of something. And, and, and the, God, we've, we've been redeemed. We've been delivered. We've been blessed. The problem is, is that sometimes when things are going good for us, we forget the Lord, our God, how we got there. And so the Bible is telling us, remember the Lord your God, you know, because we're going to come to a time when we're going to end up in a dark place. We're going to come to a dark valley or a pit that we're going to need to recall an event that happened in the past. We're going to have to bring that event into the present in such a way that it can affect our emotions. It can affect our outlook. It can affect our thought process so much so that it makes a difference in how we respond in our current reality. What it does for the believer is it helps us remember that God was faithful then, he's faithful right now, and he'll be faithful in our future. Amen? The devil wants us to, to have spiritual amnesia. That's what he wants. He wants us to have spiritual amnesia. He wants us to completely forget the past faithfulness of God when we find ourselves facing difficulties. Because if we take our eyes off of the goal, we're going to end up placing them on our circumstances and the problem. But when we remember the Lord our God, when we are in the middle of our chaos, when we're in the middle of our circumstances, what it does is it helps us remember the power that's available to us in that situation. Amen? helps us remember the peace that we have available to us that surpasses anything that we've ever known and it burns the devil up the only reason that we should look back is to look back and express worship for God's faithfulness in our lives amen I'm going to close with this finally there's a goal there's a goal there's there's a prize whether you know it or not, we're all in a race. We're all in a race, and, and I believe that I'm sitting in a room full of winners right now. But see, the devil, he wants to stop you from making heaven your home. So in order to win this race and prevent distractions, we got to be determined to move forward and focus on the prize. Paul's focus was forward momentum, not prior mistakes, not, not prior successes. We can't move forward with the vision of heaven in our lives if we focused in the rearview mirror on the past. Our goal needs to be to pursuing and getting to know Jesus as we go through this process of sanctification. On this, this lifelong path of becoming more and more like him until we're face to face with our king. Amen.
stand with me as I close. We got to we got to get a press, church. We have to get a press in our spirit. We have to get a press in our heart. None of us can get stuck in languishing. We can't get stuck in languishing. You know, it won't be thriving, and it won't be falling apart. But it won't be everything that God has for you. And I just want you to know that there's, there's something out there that you haven't possessed yet that belongs to you. That God wants to lead you to. And you can settle. You can settle for comfort and go to heaven one day and I'm sure it'll be awesome. But my Bible tells me that I can have heaven right now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that tells me that I can have heaven right here, right now. But we have to have a press in our spirits. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you today, Lord for your presence, God. I pray, Father, that we would come out of languishing, come out of apathy, and that we would just seek your face every day, God. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't settle for old experiences and what we experienced before, Father, but that we'll look for something new in you every single day. We won't settle for where we are. We open our hearts to you today, Jesus, and we just, we place you back on the thrones of our heart. I pray, Father, that we would continue a forward momentum, God, forgetting the things in the past, forgetting our, our past mistakes, forgetting our past successes, Lord. We humble ourselves today, God, in front of you. We thank you, Jesus, for, for your faithfulness tonight. We set our gaze upon you, Jesus. Help us make an honest, humble evaluation in our lives so we can just move all obstacles and all distractions out of our lives. So we can set our focus on you, Jesus. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, we would love to pray with you today. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. I love you guys.